What is a story, Gary? We are back, episode 35. We've been away for a while. I'd like to blame you, but it was actually me and you, so I can't just defer all the blame to you, even though you were in Belarus for mm. what, four weeks? Was it? Yeah, four weeks. And I, I recorded, I think, maybe two podcasts in that time, then didn't, didn't get a chance to get two other ones, and then after that, we've just been back and forth kind of trying to organize things internet connection wasn't great one of the days and no. you're, you've been on placement as well so we couldn't get it midweek or anything like that because you're a busy boy these days you know but anyway how have you been Gary? Very good you know uh, as you said my internet's been a bit faulty for the last few weeks because I'm currently living in an attic in Dublin so attics don't tend to have the best internet um, and Kerry obviously doesn't have great internet because it's Kerry, so when I go home there, that doesn't work. So we're here in Paddy's shed now and about to record lesson or episode? Episode 30. 35. 35. So we did take a break, but we are back now for good. That's what you claim anyway, Gary. That's what we say, yeah. Um, so today's episode, we are going to talk about volume and intensity for, I was going to say bodybuilder, but what we're actually talking about is someone with the goal of hypertrophy or we'll, we'll call it kind of body composition because that kind of that kind of fits more people into the the category because you know you might not see yourself as oh my goal is to build muscle you may just see yourself as oh my goal is to change my physique to whatever physique it is that you have in your mind's eye however the vast majority of you are actually looking to build some muscle and maybe lose some fat, you know? Um, and we've talked about how to do that before, so there's loads of episodes, loads of articles, etc. on that. And what we want to dial in today is the the issue of volume and or intensity for someone with the goal of hypertrophy. So we'll look at it from the perspective of your goal is to build muscle, right? should you whatever it is you have your diet on point you have your lifestyle parameters on point everything else is on point and your ability to train is on point so we're just presuming that you know you know how to pick exercises you know how to actually train in you know your active range of motion and, and all that kind of stuff um you're not just doing wild mad things with your training drop sets etc you you know how to train you know how to train effectively and all of that is a lockdown, but you're kind of thinking to yourself, should I be focusing more on the volume of work I do or the intensity of work I do? And I suppose we'll define those terms now in a second, but you're kind of going, mm, what should I do? Should I use heavy weights, light weights? Should I do more sets, less sets, you know, higher reps, lower reps? Like what should I be doing if my goal is in fact to build muscle? So Gary, you're the training guy in the in the militia. You write all, all the articles in the militia on training. Um, what what's your opinion on this? And what does the what does your opinion say in relation to the scientific research? Mm. Yeah, so I think I think the place where you need to start is a place that very few people actually start and realize that this whole like online discussion of volume intensity and all these training variables is accounting for a fairly small percentage of your results at the end of the day because at the end of the day your genetics and the fact that you even lift in the first place is going to determine a lot of your results so even starting lifting accounts for a big percentage of the amount of muscle that you're going to gain along with your genetics you know eating well it's obviously great 
And then when we think about these training details, we have to realize that they are actually details. So, you know, if you were to listen to this podcast today and I was to say, um, oh, you should do 10 sets a week, you should do 20 sets a week at 60% of your one rep max. And Paddy disagreed with me and said, you should do 25, 25 sets at 80% of your one rep max. Realistically, there'd probably be an, a, a difference in results between those two methods that wouldn't even be detectable. Do you think that's fair to say? That's fair to say. Yeah, because when you look at when you look at like resistance training research as a whole, you see if you look at like some studies or you pool all the results of studies together, you'll see that some pe- you might have such a range of responders that some people might show no muscle growth from a certain training program and some subjects could show like muscle growth of centimeters on a muscle when it's actually measured so there's big big differences in the type of results that you get so when we dig into these details we just want you to remember that they are details and not everyone needs to worry about the minutiae but we want to give you a good starting point a good kind of broad range recommendation that you can work with and then optimize yourself over time so i think the, the a good place to start is with intensity um, because it's a little bit clearer cut, kind of, a little bit. <laughs> but when we talk about intensity, what we're talking about is it's, it's not intensity in a sense of how hard you work. It's intensity in a sense of how heavy the weights you lift are. And that's obviously in a relative sense. So generally people talk about intensity as it relates to the percentage of one rep max. So if you think about you know your percentage of your one rep max, 100% would be obviously your one rep max and then as you go down to 90 80 70 60 percent you're able to perform more reps as you go lower from away from your one rep max obviously so the reason this is an important discussion and one that's come up in more in recent years more often is because when you look at most of the strength and conditioning textbooks you look at like from 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 years ago if you read a lot of articles you ask even some some lecturers they'll generally tell you that 60% of the one of your one rep max is kind of the bottom end of what you need to lift in order to build muscle. So that was kind of the consensus, more or less, up until the last five to eight years. People kind of thought, you know, 60% is the bottom end of, the, of that intensity range that you need to lift to build muscle. And if you go below that, you're unlikely to build muscle. And to a degree, this is kind of true in that If you are staying far away from failure with 40% of your one rep max, it's very unlikely you're going to build muscle. Okay, it's 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 not it's not very practical to try and do that. But what what we see from the research, when you actually look at a broad range of intensity ranges, when reps are taken to failure, you can actually get a lot of muscle growth from just 30% of your one rep max. Okay, and when you when you begin to drop down below that. Um, 20% of your one rep max seems to be that kind of bottom end, at least from what's been shown, where you're unlikely to, you know, build as much muscle training to failure there. But again, you know, that's susceptible to practical issues as well, where you, if you're doing 20% of your one rep max, you're going to have to perform so many reps that you could fail psychologically before you ever actually fail physiologically, even though they're intertwined. But, you know, there's just those issues. And to be honest, I don't think many people are trying to, to train with 20% of the one rep max anyway. So for practical for practical purposes, I would just say that 30% of your one rep max is probably around that, that bottom end of the range. So I'm really wheezy in my chest. <laughs> so we think about that bottom end of the range, we realize that, oh, you actually can build a lot of muscle doing very high repetitions. So, you know, 
that classical idea of the hypertrophy range where people say maybe 6 to 12 or, or 6 to 15 or somewhere around there or 8 to 12. It's actually not true that that is the hypertrophy range because you can build reps with 20, 30 plus reps as long as you are going to failure. Okay, and we'll add some caveats to that in a minute, but that's kind of our starting point from the bottom end. And then from the top end, it's a kind of a similar story. So you can build muscle with 80, 90, 100% of your one rep max, but what you'll notice is that you don't generally see people training for hypertrophy using powerlifting specific programs, like only doing singles and doubles and triples, because you run into practical issues there where you incur or accrue more fatigue from that training, from that higher intensity training than you would for the same relative intensity. So, you know, being two reps from failure, let's say with 80% of your one rep max versus 90 to 95% of your one rep max. So there's a difference in fatigue there. So that's kind of a broad introduction. I don't want to keep talking without letting you have some points. So anything you'd like to add in there? Cause there's some other bits to touch on too. No, I broadly agree with that. Um, <coughs> Again, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about, you have to look at it not only just from the, we'll call it the scientific perspective, like we'll call it the mechanistic stuff, if you will. You also have to look at it from the, the practical application. Like, yeah, okay, cool. It's it's fine to be able to say that, you know, 30% is grand for building muscle or 20% is grand for building muscle. But the fact that you have to do so many reps to get that training effect, it kind of goes, oh, well is this an effective training method then purely by virtue of the fact that you have to do so many reps and you're going to be in the gym for four hours to get, you know, <laughs> whatever, 10 sets done, you know? Um, so again, you have to look at it from both the practical aspect and the, the mechanistic aspect. However, as well as that, you have to fa- factor in that the, the science isn't as clear cut as you would like it to be because a lot of the stuff is, we'll call it inference, from markers you know it's not actually like there, some studies you might find they're not actually measuring uh muscle building they might be measuring something like oh muscle damage or something and then using that as a proxy measure for is that an effective training program you know so the science isn't as clear cut as you would essentially like it to be although obviously it does help inform your overall decision making process but what you've said so far gary i'm totally totally in line with it so do we just go then, okay, so practically, you know, training over 90%, we'll say that's kind of triples and above, that's a bit too fatiguing, just weights are too heavy, you know, maybe it's good sometimes, maybe if you're a powerlifter, it's good, um, and then weights below whatever, we'll say back down to that general consensus of 60%, is, is that we just go, ah, like there's too high reps and we'll just stay in between that range of... 60 to 90 is that is that what we're just doing do we just basically follow what bodybuilders have been doing for years or is there some sort of more nuanced discussion that we can have yeah so i suppose the first thing to kind of track back on a little bit is the question that kind of runs on everyone's mind when we talk about this stuff so we although we didn't touch on it yet you know the the primary kind of mechanism of hypertrophy that we generally are focused on is mechanical tension okay so the actual mechanical tension that is on the individual muscle fibers okay so that that's really what we're kind of looking for when it comes to hypertrophy but what people what generally comes into people's head then heads then is more weight equals more tension 
so why don't I just lift 100% my one rep max? And then likewise, the other question that comes up is, if mechanical tension is so important, then how can I possibly gain muscle with 30% of my, of my, of my one rep max? And to be fair, it's kind of our job and personal trainers' jobs and scientists' jobs to elaborate on this a bit because that's a fairly like intuitive question to have in your head. And the reason this is the way it is is because once you get up to around 80% of your one rep max, you get a full spectrum of motor unit recruitment. So what that essentially means is that all you, you essentially activate all of your muscle fibers. Okay, Once you get up to around that 80% mark, when you go up to 90%, you don't see a massively significant difference in the amount of motor units you're recruiting. So once you get to that 80% mark, you're recruiting all of, all of your motor units, essentially meaning all of your muscle fibers. And then as a result, you're able to place a lot of tension on all of those muscle fibers. So when we lift heavy, what we do is we get lots and lots of motor units, lots and lots of muscle fibers that are sharing a very high load. Okay, so they get X amount of mechanical tension. But when we lift a very light load at 30% of your one rep max, what we end up doing is recruiting, let's say, a few motor units at the start. So we don't need all of our muscle fibers because there's not a requirement in, in, in that it, it's a sort of a su- supply and demand um, way in which they're recruited. So if there's if, if, you, if, I, if I only need 30% of my max tension, why would I recruit all of my muscle fibers right away? It wouldn't really make a lot of sense. So essentially you get this, this phenomenon where you've got some muscle fibers recruited and then as the set goes on, let's say 5, 10, 15 reps in, they begin to fatigue. So other motor units begin to get recruited. So over the course of a set, while you never have all motor units, all muscle fibers contracting to, with the same kind of intensity throughout the muscle, you have them contracting at different points during the set so that when you go to full failure, you end up getting that same tension in all of those muscle fibers, which is why failure is more important when it comes to lighter weights. So that's how mechanical tension kind of fits in there because you know it does kind of come down to actually getting tension on those muscle fibers at the end of the day regardless of whether it's a very high intensity or a low intensity so Paddy you then touched on the idea that you know is it just a case of just do whatever you want well you kind of said that but it is and it isn't okay so bodybuilders have been saying forever you know do 8 to 12 reps or do 16 15 reps broadly and that is actually a very robust recommendation, you know, even though it they didn't have like the bodybuilders of the 60s, 70s, 80s, they didn't have all the science to base this on. They're actually pretty much correct, you know, based on what the science says currently, because when you train, if you do try and like, let's say, match the total number of sets with sets of one to three, you're going to be far more fatigued than you would be if you did the same amount of sets with six to 12 or eight to 12 reps. So you're going to be more fatigued and you may not be able to accumulate as much training volume or the same quality of volume over the course of a week, a month, a training cycle. And that becomes pretty important when it comes to hypertrophy. And likewise, so, so, so you have more fatigue, the higher you go on the spectrum. And then the lower you go on the spectrum, you get more fatigue as well, because you essentially get all this accumulation of metabolites or met- metabolic stress as people talk about and that in and of itself is fatiguing as well. So you get lots and lots of fatigue at the bottom end of the spectrum, lots and lots of fatigue at the, the top of the spectrum, and you also get fatigue in the center, but you don't get the same level of fatigue for the same amount of sets, if we just, if we just kind of put it at that. So it does actually come back to choosing that good old six to 15 repetition range, 
you know, but the, the liberating thing about it is that you, that the fact that we have this science now, you can say, you know what, I can actually go above, do some training at in a powerlifting specific program, do some training at a 20 plus rep range and recognize that, you know, the same hypertrophy more or less is going to come from it. And you just have to be aware of the practical differences. So it's kind of good from the perspective of programming. Um, but at the same time, you don't just want to say, okay, it's all the same. So I'm just going to do singles and I'm going to do 20 sets <laughs> of singles because that's not very practical. Yeah. So if we then run with that, so we'll, we'll go six to 15, great, broad, generalized. It keeps us with enough, we'll say motor unit recruitment that we're getting more of the muscle fiber working at the, the same time um, or firing at the same time, whatever whatever way you want to phrase it. Yeah. Um, and if we go kind of higher than that, in, well, yeah, higher than that in terms of the reps that we perform, we are potentially still getting the same level of motor unit recruitment just over a different time course, you know? So, you, you know, you have to go to failure at 30 reps rather than like doing two sets of 15 at a higher intensity to equate the same volume. So that kind of brings me to my next question and then my next question after that. If it is broad general recommendation here, six to 15 reps, that's our hypertrophy zone. Yeah. Right? We'll just, we'll put it at that, right? And, and, and to a large extent, it doesn't really matter what we actually do, right? In terms of we fall in between that, we're kind of okay, right? We'll come with some caveats in a second. But generally, you're like, okay, I'm designing my program. I'm falling somewhere in between 6 to 15. All is good. The next question you're going to ask yourself is, how many sets of this do we do? Because this then defines how many reps you should do. Because you look at it, your rep is the the defining feature of your program, right? And what I mean by that is, you have to, first of all, think about quality. But obviously, in this discussion, we're presuming quality is looked out yes. for you know so you're actually performing you're executing the the exercise with immaculate technique perfect amount of you know tension on the muscle for that given exercise like you're performing the exercise in a way that allows you to maximize the tension on your muscle right so that's edited away so the actual rep itself perfection right then you kind of go okay so the rep target i pick is then going to dictate the amount of sets i do because obviously if we're saying it is volume, we're talking about volume here, saying, oh, six to 15 reps, uh, three to four sets, that actually is a huge amount of variability because mm -hmm. four sets of six reps versus four sets of 15 reps is completely different, right? And I know there's this trend in the research lately um, to kind of just measure everything in terms of hard sets, you know, they used to measure it in terms of like volume load, which was like what volume by intensity by load used or whatever Set, it was. Yes, sets by reps. Uh, by sets, sets by reps by load used, and there was like the volume load or whatever. Which I actually, I actually kind of like that. I know there's some issues with that, um, but uh, but I do still kind of like that. Um, but now they just measured in terms of hard sets performed. Obviously, there's a difference here in terms of again that four sets of six versus four sets of fifteen. If we have two people, twins even, performing training and one of them does four sets of 15 for all their exercises and we'll assume that the volume is capped the same in terms of the number of sets. They're doing whatever, 20 sets per exercise or per body part uh, per week, whatever. 
uh, they're both doing the same number of sets, but one does six reps for all their sets and one does 15 reps for all their sets. Is that the same? Yeah, so th- this, is, this is a question that is, like I think will be teased out in the research in the next decade or so. But right now you're kind of relying on a couple of kind of conceptual ideas that have been put together by a few different people that are actually quite useful to think about this. So, like, there's there's th- th- three people at least that I've come across that have talked about this, and there's James James Krieger, Chris Chris Beardsley, and Carol Juneau. Okay, so the three of those have all kind of come up with different ways of saying it, but it's essentially this hypertrophic reps or effective reps kind of concept. Okay, so thinking about the idea that basically, like, to sum it up, like, the, the, all their ideas are slightly different, but basically, it's all that the last few reps of your set are the ones that have the most hypertrophic potential, okay? And I think that obvi- that obviously makes a lot of sense in that, you know, when you apply it to different paradigms, for example, if you think that, like, the, the general consensus, I think from, from James's equation that he came up with, it basically showed that the last five reps of a set, or maybe maybe it was Chris's, he, anyway, regardless, yeah, it's Chris's. It's all, they're all kind of similar. But basically, you could say that the, let's just let's just roll with it for the for the sake of conversation. That the f- last five reps of a set are the ones that have the greatest hypertrophic potential. Okay, so if you think about that, then we think, all right, people like it actually fits really well with the anecdotal evidence in that people generally don't go below five for hypertrophy. You know, the the conventional wisdom has led us to to say that gr- greater than five is generally a good idea, and. That, that kind of fits quite nicely in with that and, and, and with what is seen in research. But if you think that, okay, we're lifting heavy weights, we've got those sets of five, that's essentially five effective reps because or five hypertrophic reps, whatever you want to call it, because you've got five reps and they're all within that kind of heavy weight range. But if you then apply that to, let's say, your sets of 20 or sets of 30, it fits quite nicely with that too because it kind of shows you why you do need to actually go to failure on those sets and you do need to push yourself that bit further because if you just do like 20 reps with your 30 rep max, you've got 10 reps in the tank and you haven't quite dug into those reps that give you the most hypertrophy um, in return. So I think that's kind of a nice way to think about it. But at the same time, I personally wouldn't be too confident in running with any specific number or saying that they're like that it's the last three reps or it's the last four reps or it's the last five reps because I just don't think it's there yet. I don't think we have an answer to that yet. Yeah, I also think that there are some critiques that none of them have actually sufficiently dealt with. For example, people getting great results using, you know, reps in reserve or mm-hmm. or PE, you know, and they're, they're still clearly getting a hypertrophic response, yet they're not getting these five effective or five hypertrophic reps. However... You know, you're not seeing a lot of people go towards the end of, oh, I'm going to keep five reps in reserve, right? Mm-hmm. It'll generally be yeah. like, I'm going to keep two or three reps in reserve. So you're still getting two of these hypertrophic reps, yeah. you know? So it is, again, like you're, like you're saying there, I don't think it's as clear cut as you can be like, yeah, it's five reps. It's those last five reps. Because then obviously the most effective training program is going to be the one that gets you to go to failure on everything, which isn't necessarily the case no you know and so if we can't use failure as an endpoint for our rep recommendations and we only have this 
theoretical framework of six to 15 reps. How the fuck do we decide how many sets we should do and at what reps we should do? <laughs> and then does it also disqualify the whole argument of, say, periodizing your training? And like people get into fucking debates online and debates in their own heads and wherever the fuck else they'll fucking debate someone um, about periodization schemes. And at the end of the day, I think it just kind of misses the point for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously it's still an effective methodology right um so like how are we delineating like you've given me nothing here guy you just told me six to 15 reps right and last five reps are the the hypertrophy zone they're the fucking ones that matter the most so how do i then kind of go should i just train to failure all the time yes so yes yes to your question uh, yes to me answer your question no to what you asked um but yeah, no, this is, this is actually something I spoke with a client about earlier in the week because he was asking um, about, you know, a lot of people that he, he respects um, and follows, they all kind of promote the idea that you should train to failure on all your sets and you should just do a very low volume training program and do less sets overall. Um, and then, you know, you have people on the other end of the spectrum and it's not even the other end of the spectrum because they're both, we can kind of tie them together really nicely here. But the, like let's say you have two people or a person that does two sets they just do two sets and they take both of those sets to failure okay um they're essentially digging into more of the reps that are going to give them the most hypertrophy by taking it all the way to failure okay so they're really making sure they're getting the most out of those sets whereas the person who says who, who does let's say three to four sets they're, and they leave one to two or two to three reps in the tank, they're saying, all right, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take one or two of these kind of really important reps from each of those sets, but I'm going to do more sets overall. So if you kind of tie those two things together, you kind of end up at a point where you're like, it actually makes sense why both of these approaches work um, in that it's, it's probably a good idea to be close to failure, probably not take all of your sets to failure, but not be too far above like, three four definitely not five reps in reserve or if, if you want to think of it in terms of rp like not less than seven six five rp okay right so let's just kind of clarify that a little bit so you're saying these people they do two sets right and they take the two sets to absolute failure again we'll say they do their first set they do a heavier set an eight rep set that's kind of common practice like mm -hmm. reverse pyramid training type yes. style you know where it's like first set i'm going to do six to eight reps almost total failure like they're like well, like i'm not gonna get i wouldn't feel confident getting another rep out they might be able to so we'll say you know there's that reps in reserve it's like one to a half you know yeah. it's like they, they maybe could have got another one out so approaching failure but maybe not getting true failure okay because that's the way most people train yes, like they're not yes, literally getting no one's actually dropping yeah. at the bottom of their score yeah like they're not actually dying from the set but they're approaching as close to they're willing to push themselves towards failure right um and then they're doing a second set. Maybe they're doing it in a higher rep range, 12 to 15. And again, they're approaching failure, getting close or as close as possible to that failure point, mm -hmm. right? So in that, again, we'll use this broad framework of five as you know the effective reps, right? The hypertrophy reps. So in that two sets there, they've accumulated 10. We'll, we'll just say they've gone to almost complete failure, 10 complete hypertrophic reps. If we just use that mm -hmm. five as the framework versus the person that goes i'm going to leave two reps in the tank for all my sets 
but I'm going to do four sets, yeah. right? And they go get their three, three effective reps from the first set, three from the second. So they're three, six, nine, 12. Yeah. So the person that does the four sets of whatever rep range, again, it could be 15, it could be six, whatever it is, but they've left two reps in the tank. The person doing the, the higher volume in terms of sets, the higher number of sets, has actually accrued more yes. hypertrophic reps, if you want to look at it like that, mm-hmm. you know? So again, that's why when you compare the two, you kind of go, okay, these might not have been, again, it's going to come down to if you approached failure closer with the the reverse pyramid style training versus, you know, you're, you're essentially guessing that you've two reps left in the tank mm-hmm. with the with the, the more sets. So maybe you had three in one of the sets. The first set, you left three in the tank, you yeah. know, maybe. So we'll, we'll say for all intents and purposes that are essentially equated in terms of you got 10 effective reps with the first ones and you've got 10 maybe slightly higher with the, the second approach, you know? So they're they're kind of the same. Yes. And that's, and that's pretty much my point is that like you have people giving out to people for leaving reps in reserve saying it's for pussies and then you have the reps in reserve people saying that, you know, the people who train failure are just stupid and it's too fatiguing and stuff. And it's like, it's it's kind of like, this. this is my whole point about people getting caught up in the details of resistance training, you know, thinking that like, this is something we genuinely need to fight about. Like, it's not something worth fighting about. Both approaches work. And like, to be honest, you, you don't necessarily need to choose between the two. But like, if I was to give a broader recommendation, I would say to people like, it's probably a good idea to leave at least one to two reps in the tank. Like, it's just, it's just a good idea in that like, sure. Like, let's say you do take all of your sets to failure. Like, there's a lot of fatigue that you were accumulating throughout those sets. And also, you're more likely to, you know, fail technically or be at risk of injury as a result of trying to take complex exercises to failure, especially. So, for example, whether it's a bench press, it's a squat, it's a deadlift, it's an overhead press, all these exercises aren't necessarily all the... They're not, they're not really great exercises to take all the way to failure um, because they are susceptible to take technical breakdown and you are putting yourself at that higher risk of injury. So it's the, the whole point is that these approaches are not that different. Lots of things work. And I would if I was if I was a gen, a trainee like who was just looking to kind of choose an approach that's probably good practice, I'd leave somewhere between uh, at least at least one or two or three reps in the tank and do three to four sets. But yeah, I mean, you... right, but then you have to look at it again, like you have to again, look at it in the practical, like the real world setting. Yeah. If you do this kind of reverse pyramid training, cause you can call it high intensity training, whatever the fuck you want to call it, low, no, low number of sets closer to failure. You know, um, you look at that and the people who generally espouse that are going to be personal trainers who have, or strength athletes or bodybuilders or whatever, who have very little else going on in their life right Mm -hmm. so they can afford to be 100% dialed in switched on for that workout versus Sheila or Mary coming in to train and she's like oh I have to pick up the kids after this I have to get the dinner cooking I have to do whatever I have to do this this and this so she's not fully in the moment with her training and just screaming at her going like get to failure go to failure (laughs) on this like it's not conducive whereas if you can go okay you have a lot of excess stress in your life overall let's maybe not put you under this huge amount of stress to be 1000% present in that exercise in that moment and we'll spread that uh, training volume over a, a greater number of sets you know it depends on where you're at so both approaches are valid but you have to look at the population you're trying to put them into 
you know, or apply them to. So if you are someone that's like, yeah, I can give my training 100% of my focus and like I have no problem like just being switched on for that hour, two hours of training or whatever the fuck it is and the rest of my day I can afford to be a little bit more drained. I can afford to, you know, kind of switch off, maybe just eat my meals, have a nap or something, whatever the fuck it is and that that's me me done, you know. Um, versus the person that's like, look, I have a really stressful life. I really have, like, I've, there's so many things going on in my head and I'm thinking of this and I've got this going on. You know, maybe for them it's like, okay, we're just going to take things a little bit easier in terms of your rating of perceived effort or, you know, reps in reserve you have. And we're going to spread those effective reps over a greater number of sets. So again, like in my, in my opinion, that reverse pyramid training works very effectively if you can apply it, mm-hmm. but you have to look at the population you're trying to apply it to. Whereas the more sets approach seems to work better for more people because more people aren't just living in the gym. They're not just like, oh, bodybuilding is my life or body composition (laughs) is my life or whatever the fuck it is, you know? So in my opinion, it does work better. So you've got those three to four sets of six to 15 reps. It still doesn't answer a question though. Like, should I do six reps (laughs) or should I do 15 reps? What's the fucking difference between the two? Okay, one more caveat on that as well. Um, the other thing I think is important to realize is that I like don't have any proof for this, but I think so. You just made it up. I'm making this up. This is my opinion. Okay, I like to make that clear. <laughs> but no, I think you're more susceptible to fooling yourself into not fooling, but yeah, fooling. You're fooling yourself into thinking you're progressing really well using the the kind of top set. You know, work up to a max reps every week or every second week or whatever i think you're, you, you it's easier to fool yourself into thinking you're progressing because you're probably getting more of those kind of neurological and skill related adaptations by doing top sets so for example let's say you do like one set of six and one set of ten and you do that for six weeks and then you change your exercise which tends to be what a lot of people do you're essentially coming into the gym once every week working up to as many reps as you can possibly get and then that you'll you'll be able to progress, you know, two and a half kilos here, five kilos there, up to the end of your program where you're really fatigued, and then you just change exercises, and you end up in this place where you're kind of, you know, you're you're learning the movement a bit better, your nervous system's learning how to kind of output force as best as possible in that movement every week, and that's a bit different to the type of progress you make if you're to do maintain your strength over four sets, let's say. So I think if you were to if you were to look at, you know, someone's strength over four sets with a couple of reps in the tank, I think that would probably be a better predictor of hypertrophy than if you were to just go all out on one set. Um so I think that I think that's important because, you know, you see a lot of a lot of proponents of this approach who will do an exercise, stick with it for four to six weeks and then change the exercise and you end up in that position where you are really just kind of recycling neurological and skill related strength gains and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad approach because you're still going to be gaining muscle over time like absolutely and again this is the details but it's just it's just a thought would you i would somewhat agree with you there gary i would definitely think that that and we'll call it lower volume approach in terms of lower number of sets approach yeah you know going to that top set and maybe doing a back off set or whatever it is uh is a lot easier to fool yourself like you're saying because you can just learn the skill of approaching failure much yes. more or much 
better whatever um so you learn be like okay well i felt like shit the last time doing this rep but i did that rep and what this this week and it wasn't as bad so i probably have one more rep in it even though like you could have still had those two reps the first week you just hadn't ever approached that level of intensity or that number of reps at that level of intensity before so you didn't have the skill the neurological awareness of like okay i'm feeling a little bit fatigued but i do actually have more reps in the tank and again this isn't a this is a an issue with boat approaches because you know how do you say effectively though they yeah. left two two reps in the tank uh in terms of you spreading the volume out so all these things do give you indications as to why you might or why you may choose an approach over another however it doesn't give you an overall better idea as to how you should potentially design your workout well it does because obviously if you fall in a population that is like okay yeah i i can give 100 percent of my training and i don't mind fooling myself a little bit with my training approach in terms of my strength acquisition because you know i actually like being strong as well so i like being able to boast that all my bench press is 140.46 you know like you like being able to mm-hmm. say that even though you're like yeah well your chest hasn't really grown you know so like again it depends on what your actual goals are with that with that training session with that training block uh, and with your training overall because people will say they have the goal of hypertrophy but they're really their goal is something different you know it'll be like oh i must squat and it's like well you're terribly built for the squat you're getting nothing out of it you're not building your legs any bigger like yeah your spinal erectors are getting bigger <laughs> because you're basically doing this bent over good morning squat thing and but it's not contributing to your legs but people are like i must squat you know so it's like you're you're not really your goal isn't what you think your goal is like so you have to be a bit clearer in that but again like that's a totally different argument but i agree with you so answer my fucking question gary should i do 15 reps should i do six reps where the fuck should i go does periodization even matter i'm gonna say both <laughs> i think you should do both over time like i don't think periodization matters for like like i don't think it matters in that i think i would be confident that you could probably do the same rep range for the rest of your life and not see a much of a detectable difference in your results to whether or not to if you had changed them like i think i don't think it'd it'd make that much of a meaningful difference but at the same time i think it's definitely like good rationale to suggest that you should change your repetition ranges over time to hypertrophy different fiber types like i don't think there's like there's there's not a massive amount of evidence on that yet but it's it's something I'd be willing I I would I would put my money on like it would make a lot of sense that slow that slow twitch muscle fibers would hypertrophy better in response to higher repetitions versus lower repetitions so I think it is good practice to keep the majority of your training in that kind of six to twelve rep range eight to twelve rep range let's say and have less of your training dedicated to the extreme so dedicated to less than five reps let's say or dedicated to fifteen to twenty plus. Um, but like, you know, I, I think it would be a good idea to still include those in your program every now and then. And I know I do for a lot of my clients. I like doing it myself and like, and like anecdotally, a lot of bodybuilders like our friend Lachlan Gannon, they report that they get extreme, extremely good progress from, um, training in those super high repetition ranges. So I, I think, I think it's good to do a little bit of everything, but base the majority of your training and that kind of 8 to 12. Okay, so you basically gave me nothing. But from that, it appears that you're saying that, you know, maybe periodizing your training and doing 
some higher reps on some things, some lower reps on some things, and maybe changing that over time so that you have a method of progression is going to be a good idea. So we haven't really touched on it, which we probably should right now, that you know, people even online where you see them doing this like reverse pyramid style training, um, they will still do like a number of sets for smaller muscle groups. Yes. Because it's very hard to approach a proper failure with your dumbbell laterals and be like like you know you're not going to 100% with those because it just you, it doesn't lend itself to that kind of training so they'll do stuff like I'm going to accumulate more volume yeah. with those sets so they'll do a number of sets with you know maybe a lighter weight and more reps you know they might find the fall into that kind of 12 to 15 repetition range with that you know um or even lower at the like 10 to 12 but they won't really be approaching that kind of six reps max on your fucking dumbbell laterals you know so the exercise you choose obviously does in change how you view the volume and reps and sets and everything of that exercise with that as well you're saying that we should somewhat periodize our training and i'll tell you what i do and i'll let you critique this comment on it and it's just what i personally find works and i'll give a rationale for that and what i generally do is do a block of say four weeks and generally the repetition range is going to fall somewhere between um 10 to 15 right that would be generally the repetition range right and then the next four weeks the repetitions will fall somewhere generally in the range of 8 to 12 and the reason I have that kind of range is because some exercises might be in the range of 10 to 12 like I might be like I want you to do three to four sets or I'll give obviously a specific recommendation to a client but we'll just talk in generalities here three to four sets of 10 to 12 reps right for a given exercise and that might be the same for three four exercises in that program and there might be one or two that are kind of okay we're going to do two to five depending on what we're doing with that training block and they might be kind of slightly higher repetition ranges of that kind of 12 to 15 you know where we're trying to accumulate a little bit more volume on certain muscle groups right and then the next training block will have again similar approach three to four sets and the training program will dictate you know we're kind of fall in between six to eight with the first one or two three four exercises and then after that we might be moving more towards a kind of slightly higher repetition range of 10 to 12 you know and to kind of add to that sometimes i might put in if i'm feeling especially spicy and i know <laughs> i know that the person uh can train hard i might put in like we'll call it a finisher but what i want them to do is you know just accumulate a lot of um metabolic stress in that muscle with an exercise it might be something like a higher repetition range of bulgarian split squats mm -hmm. or something like that to kind of finish out their leg leg day you know whatever um and it might be up to 25 maybe even 30 reps per leg right um what do you think that as a general approach for again we're just talking about generic joe here where it's mm -hmm. like you just want to build some muscle you've no particular goals but you know you want to know repetition wise set wise what should i do what does that sound like i think it's good practice boy imagine i just turn around and it was just like jesus that's absolutely stupid what the fuck this is just terrible like, get off the team um no that that sounds like that sounds like good practice and i mean i do a similar similar thing with some clients not yeah so, obviously we're yeah, talking you know, saying like this is in generic, general yeah. yeah 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 like some clients it might be it might be very different and i think the 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 other the other point that you reminded me of as you were speaking was like 
the whole adherence thing. Like, I think that's probably one of the most... I was going to give my rationale now in a second. (laughs) It's probably the most important thing when it comes to the whole periodization discussion because, I mean, like, the majority of our clients are, like, general population people like ourselves, you know, interested in the gym, interested in being healthy, interested in not having any muscle mass because, God, we wouldn't... Jesus, you want to stimulate them (laughs) Like, that's cancer. (laughs) But, yeah, no, those general population people. And, I mean, the important thing for a lot of the general population is to maintain interest in training, okay? And you might be a militant bodybuilder who, you know, if, if we were to say, do nine reps and that is the hypertrophy rep target, you do it for the rest of your life because you just want to make gains full stop and that's it. But most people aren't like that. Most people enjoy the novelty of having a program that's kind of, it has a specific goal, for example, all right, we want to get strong in that 10 to 15 range. And then we want to get strong in that eight to 10 range. And then we want to, you know what, we're going to work in your sets of five. And people really like that. You know, even even if they're just general population people, they like moving towards those heavier weights and coming to the end of a 12-week block and saying, oh, my five rep max, you know, it's increased by whatever amount, you know, even though they don't have the specific goal of just improving their five rep max. It's primarily health. It's primarily body composition related, but these types of things make training interesting along the way. And I think that is really, really important and to some degree underrated by a lot of the people in the fitness industry who just kind of talk about the minutia but at the same time like i get why people do that because mm. it's bodybuilders that want this information at the yeah. end of the day also like you have to again look at it from a practical standpoint like if you have a method of progression and you're going right we're going to slowly decrease the number of reps you perform while we slowly increase the weight that you're using you can effectively push yourself a little bit harder each week because you know coming up and you're like okay we're we're at a 12 week or we're at a 12 week we're at a 12 rep uh block in the program but i know in a week's time i'm going to be moving to an eight rep block so i'm going to push myself just a little bit closer to failure with these 12 reps so say we have been working with you know one to two reps in reserve and you've just been like right i'm going to leave that one rep in reserve across all four sets whatever it is you know and you're able to approach failure that little bit more because you know the next block okay the volume overall volume is going to be reduced a little bit and you're only going to be doing eight reps you know and while eight reps yes it's fatiguing you know you can still kind of slowly wave that load up till you get to that fourth week or whatever however long that block is and you can kind of start pushing the the weight closer to that kind of failure point uh, again so it gives them a method of progression because one of the hardest things to do when trying to progress is actually stick to and adhere to the program because if you're just going at 12 reps just 12 reps like you come in every single week and you're like all right i'm gonna do 12 reps again last week it was fucking it was pretty hard to get those reps out and i'm gonna hope that i'm stronger this week but you know it's pretty hard to get those fucking reps out last week so you get to that point you're kind of like right i didn't i didn't improve at all because i just got the exact same reps that i got last week Uh, there was no improvement even though yeah they may have looked better they may have been better controlled whatever but you feel looking at the numbers you're like nothing has improved whereas if you can see over time you're like okay so during this 16 or 12 16 week training cycle you know my 12 rep 12 rep max improved to this my 8 rep max improved to this my 5 rep max improved to this fuck yeah like i can see the changes in my physique i can see the changes in my performance in the logbook so overall i'm moving towards my goal however like you said earlier on you could realistically just go right you're going to do eight to ten reps for the rest of your life and 
still make progress. You would just have to somewhat auto-regulate that a little bit more and go, okay, I'm going to have to go back up and down. And be, the reason for this is, because and we've touched on it, is the grand driver in all of this is yeah. tension on the muscle. Yeah. And essentially, it's progressive tension overload. Yes. So the ability to overload tension on the musculature that you're trying to overload, you know? Um, so whatever method you use to do that, it really doesn't fucking matter as long as you are, over time, getting more tension on that muscle you know and that could be by virtue of more weight on the bar getting stronger it could be by virtue of doing more volume you know it could literally like again more volume with effective hypertrophy reps whatever the fuck you want to call them you know <laughs> and like there's not just more volume and just doing like all right well i just threw in an extra couple of sets and you know they weren't fatiguing i didn't get anywhere near volume but i did more volume over time you know it's, it's not really that it's again the stronger you get over time in that kind of hypertrophy range of 8 to 12, whatever fuck, you know, or 6 to 15 if you want to broaden it out a little bit, that's where the money is. That's where the the hypertrophy gains are going to occur. Now, I think we can agree on that. Yeah. So, one, <laughs> one to four sets of... 6 to 15 reps, right? So people are like, oh, fuck, like, that's just a huge, broad recommendation. So we're going to dial it into a workout-to-workout workout and week-to-week week recommendation. But before we do that, oh, right, shit. <laughs> there's another variable. And it kind of, it's kind of two variables, right? If it's all just progressive tension overload, where does time under tension factor into this? And as a result should we be tempoing our exercises now i think we should all be tempoing our exercises purely to standardize execution but presuming execution exact same regardless like you're able to keep the tension on the on the muscle you're trying to train and you're not fucking things up by just going like oh i'm just bouncing it off my chest or whatever fucking else you know execution is the exact same it's obviously not standardized because we've got different tempos but does time under tension change things or is it something we should even consider you know like what about these super slow training methods you know it's like i'm going to do like a 10 second eccentric um and i'm going to do eight reps with that you know <laughs> what, what's the story yeah, how does like... this change things because obviously you said earlier on you mentioned there was this time dependent thing in terms of if we, if we do these like 30 reps you know you might not get full motor unit recruitment there and then at the start of the exercise you might get some motor units recruiting and then as the exercise progresses and you get closer and closer to failure you get different ones turning on etc right mm -hmm. so is that essentially the same thing as doing more time under tension you're not going to get this all or nothing type motor unit recruitment and it's just going to go on over time is that essentially just the same thing or what what, what are your thoughts behind this because i actually don't think the research mm. clearly shows this yeah. or doesn't clearly elaborate on this i think like i actually think theoretically you could probably see similar results in hypertrophy from just isometrics as in like if you just held an isometric rep at let's say the middle point of a muscle and you just held it there until you failed totally you'd probably see fairly similar results in hypertrophy but obviously you ru you run into issues then in terms of you'd have to do it at different points in the range of motion to yeah to, it's just completely yeah, impractical take advantage of regional hypertrophy and all this sort of stuff and it, it's just un it's just not practical but it, it's an interesting thing to think about um but 
the 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 time under tension thing it's like I, I don't think it's something I think it's something that is it's important in a sense that it's happening and it's there but I don't think it's something important as in like you shouldn't be timing your sets or you shouldn't be looking for the right time under tension as in I think the time under tension is purely a background thing that's happening as a result of you doing x amount of reps and approaching failure so I think that's what's actually important but at the same time thinking about time under tension I just like to think of it as tempo per rep and then just think about the reps going to failure like not thinking about oh I did 60 seconds of time under tension because, yeah like in my mind yeah. I think of it as a, yeah, a, yeah. A, a tool to standardize technique exactly you know because otherwise it's like oh yeah I want you to do this controlled whereas one guy's one guy or girl's controlled is you know five second eccentrics <laughs> pause on the chest and two second concentrics whereas someone else's controlled is like you know, one second down, no pause on the chest, explosive up, but it was controlled throughout. So there's no standardization between those two people, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I personally just think of tempo in terms of standardizing technique, you know? I don't think, like you said, that there is like this hypertrophy time zone. Mm-hmm. Obviously there is. Yeah, right? like I think, I think... I don't think you should be like, right, if we get hypertrophy in three to four sets of eight reps and we're going to measure the time that it took for them to do that and then we're just going to do that in one set or something you know Mm -hmm. i don't think they are the same thing yeah like while i don't think it's while i don't think you you can get a perfect answer from the studies on this like the the general consensus of the research the whole body of research if you look at the meta-analysis is three to eight seconds of of time per rep this is pretty much the the place you want to be you know, and I think that that's generally what you see in practice anyway, you know. So basically what that tells you is that you don't really want to be the super slow guy doing like 10-1-10-1 tempo trying to maximize hypertrophy. But similarly, you probably don't want to be the guy who's just doing, you know, half a second down, half a second up, like just bouncing it off his chest. That's probably not best practice either. It doesn't mean you're going to see massive differences in hypertrophy. But I generally have, you know, the the rule I like to think of is just control the change of direction simple as that so if you can take it down nice and controlled so that you know you're in charge of that change of direction at the bottom and at the top like you're you're in a good place as far as i'm concerned because if you even think about that it's pretty much going to put you in that range of probably four 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 or so seconds per rep on most exercises um and you know you, you can think about that differently for different exercises like I think it's good practice to slow down exercises like lateral raises maybe a little bit more because they're on a longer lever and you're more susceptible to using momentum, etc., etc. So it's it's or ex- some some exercises you might want to overload a certain point yes, in yes, that range. Yes. Like again, like you might do like a glute bridge and have the contracted position. You want to hold that for a second or two. Mm-hmm. You know, even though obviously that falls into the category of like that change of direction, but you know you might be like, right, I actually want you to squeeze your glutes as hard as possible in that top portion of the range for two seconds you know mm-hmm. just so you can overload that that part or again like other structures like i don't know a fly or something you're like we're going to overload the the stretched position here so we're going to hold that which obviously limits the weight you're using which obviously mm-hmm. you know um so i think that's a good well i suppose we still haven't answered a lot of questions <laughs> but i think that gives people a good framework to work with it so tempo matters it doesn't matter in terms of there's this hypertrophy zone and we know now that you can do one to x amount of sets you know depending on how you take them to failure or how close you take them to failure or what approach you take with them i suppose and 
a, a number of volume or a number of reps and sets will work um, as long as you are progressively overloading the, the muscles with tension. Like as long as you're getting stronger in the rep range that you've chosen and over time and perhaps you're periodizing it so that you can facilitate some form of progression over time, it really doesn't matter in terms of what you actually choose rep wise and in terms of what you actually choose set wise. However, obviously it fucking does. Yeah, yeah and <laughs> right? I think... So how do, we, how do we look at that from a workout to workout perspective yes. and a week to week perspective? Because I, I don't want people to go away from this and go, yes. all right, they just chatted shit for an hour there <laughs> and I got nothing from it. Didn't change anything around my thought process, around my workout, nothing. I knew I'm going to do the exact same stuff. So what was what a workout? Like obviously I, I broke down a very rough and ready workout earlier on there, but what are we thinking workout to workout and week to week? Okay. I'm not, I was just going to go off on a tangent, but I'll go, off, I'll go off on that after. No, please, all right, all right. Yeah. The, the, point, the point I really want to make is that I think, like, I, I know you know this and you know I know this, but I think people, people think that the more you get interested in the science of all of this stuff, the more you start to focus on really minute variables and thinking about, you know, programming things like to the minutiae and thinking more things are important but it's actually the opposite like the more you look into the science of all this stuff and recognize some of the method methodological flaws individual differences etc you begin to realize that okay less things probably matter like you know there's actually not that many things that matter so much that we'd be stressed enough to really tell you to do one specific thing in a podcast as in no, that the only thing that matters in training is provide <laughs> tension to your muscles yeah. enough tension so that they'll grow an effort and pro- progress <laughs> no not effort and, and progress it over time that's literally it like your muscles no tension progress that tension over time enough volume so that you can recover from it which we're going to top top touch on now if I can fucking speak yes um, but not enough that you can't recover yeah, literally just find a sweet spot find something you enjoy progressively over, overload the muscles with tension you're pretty fucking good to go. So how do we stop ourselves from destroying ourselves? And how do we know when enough is enough? Like, how do we know I'm not doing too little and I'm not doing too much? Where's this Goldilocks zone? Please tell yeah. me. So yeah, I think I think this is this is an important discussion to have. And if you're if you're waiting for the perfect answer to how many sets you should do, you'll be waiting because we're not going to give it to you. Like the way hey, I, I want a number. You want a number? <laughs> like although they're actually totally different and. It's not a great analogy. I think the one way to think about volume is, is a little bit like, you know, how many calories you should eat in that. I think that's how many how people approach it online. People, people are literally waiting for the, the perfect number of sets, just like they wait for the perfect number of calories they should eat. And, you know, a lot of the time when people message me, like someone messaged me earlier in the week with some number of calories that they'd gotten off some calculator and calculator saying, oh, what do you think? Should I eat this? And I was like, try it. You know, as in, and it's the same with volume. You literally need to try it. So I think a good broad stroke recommendation for a lot of people, like to start off with, is somewhere between 10 and 20 sets per week per body part. Like, I don't think that is outrageous in that it's not low. It's not ridiculously high. But I think it would be silly to start at 30 to 40 sets per week per body part. 45. Or 45 or 50. As in, like, I just don't think you should just do more volume for the sake of doing more volume because it just doesn't really make sense. Now, before we go on with this discussion, we actually need to touch on something which I meant to touch on earlier on. Um, and that's you, Gary. I want to touch you. Um, no. Oh, <laughs> um, I want to touch on the way you actually 
count your sets because ah, yes. people will do this first of all you'll see in studies as well that people count sets like they'll be like oh tricep sets that's all your chest work as well right so all your chest work counts towards your tricep work which again i don't necessarily agree with but that's the way they're counting it so cool right at least, at least as long as long as they're standardizing it at that cool i don't think it's effective but they're, they're doing that but also people will not count their warm-up sets and this is a, a one of those things that it's kind of deceptive online because you'll see yes. people doing that kind of reverse pyramid style training and they'll be like oh top set of x and then a back down set of x and you'll be like oh fuck right so he's only doing two sets and then you actually look at their training log and it's like did 12 warm-up sets working <laughs> working up to that top set and it's like four of these sets were within like five percent of that top set you know it's like another person would have counted those yes. and now their program their two sets per exercise program changes to a five sets per exercise program you know but they don't count it like that so we have to kind of standardize how we're accounting for sets right so how are we counting for sets how are we counting for sets yeah so like in, in general i would just say like just don't bother counting your warm-up sets but at the same time do your warm-up sets fairly so maximally like as in if you're doing like six warm-up sets and you're like a few reps from failure on a couple of them then you would want to be counting them towards your working sets as actually we, we can easily answer this if we just assume which again it's an assumption that five the last five reps are effective for <laughs> hypertrophies if you fall between something that's within five reps of you failing then you're in a hypertrophy set whatever you want to i'm putting an inverted commas on yeah. that uh, and it's a working set yeah there you go like very simple right all right just 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 don't count your warm-up sets all right just don't work unless out. they're getting really fucking close to unless you're, working you're breaking your ass in your warm-up sets anyway um what was the question oh how many how we got our sets yeah i just don't think it's i don't think it's good practice to count like it, your dumbbell bench press as your as tricep. tricep work as in like like maybe that's just because i'm biased because like when i do your arms are skinny yeah because my arms are so skinny maybe that's why i just need to do more direct work like when i when i press or when i row like i my chest works really hard and my lats work really hard and like my arms never feel anything ever or ever unless you're doing it wrong or ever get sore or anything <laughs> like it just doesn't happen um so i just don't think it's good practice to count that in that like they're not they are not the prime mover in the exercise so i just think if you want to simplify things for yourself count the prime mover in the exercise unless it's something like a, a deadlift or a squat where there's multiple muscles like obviously you have to think of that differently but i mean if it's like a row and your arm is like at greater than 90 degrees of elbow flexion and you really feel your lats doing all the work i wouldn't really count that towards my bicep work and say that oh, I'm not going to train arms because I hit all my bicep volume. Like, I think that's a bad idea if you want to grow your arms. Um, I've been there, bro. Uh, <laughs> Are you not still there? Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's, it's a lifelong problem. Um, but yeah, so I would just count, like, the majority of exercises as, like, one set. So I, I would say your bench press, it's a chest exercise. Just leave it at that for the sake of your own sanity. 
Like some people, well, I don't understand even how you can do that because, like, your your bench press is that now an anterior delt exercise? Does that count towards your shoulder volume? <laughs> this is the thing. It gets does, that messy. Count, does that count towards your fucking grip volume because you're holding the bar? Like, does it count towards your lats? Because I work my lats fucking hard when I'm bench pressing. <laughs> so my spinal erectors. Are you using an arch? <coughs> your glutes. Are you using a bit of leg drive as well? So is this a full body lift now? Am I counting yeah, towards all my fucking thing? It's like this just gets too messy unless you have this random delineation in your head that it's like, oh yeah bench press triceps chest it's like why it works all these other muscles just as well like yeah you just have to pick a system that works in your own head and that isn't going to drive you mad because i know some people like do that where they're like yeah my bench press is counts as one set of chest but it counts as half a set of triceps and like a third of cent of anterior delts and it's like whoa 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 like this probably changes from session to session and as your muscle grows over time so you really need to just not make it too fancy for your own sanity but that's the way i would go about it like obviously if you're doing a squat like that is absolutely a quad exercise a glute exercise and a doctor exercise potentially a back exercise it's a back exercise <laughs> so, no, I'm telling you squats are a back exercise <laughs> so you just have to think about all those things and like I, 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 I sometimes I will total up clients like sets per per body part for them at the end of their program and say you're doing this amount of sets for each body part just so they can kind of see but it doesn't mean that it goes up every training block and that we end up after 50 weeks being at like 60 sets for chest or something, <laughs> walking around carrying his shoulders. Right, so how do, we look, how do we do this then? How do we go, right, what is an effective level of volume? You said yes, somewhere between 10 to 20 sets. Right? That's where I would start. And from there, what I would look at, like the thing is, people don't like to assess things on a long-term basis. They like to assess things on a day-to-day basis. And like, it's like, oh, my chest didn't grow yesterday. I'm going to do more volume. It's like, okay, that's probably not the best way of looking at it. Like volume should probably increase over time, but it's probably more on a yearly or multi-year basis that you're going to see significant increases in volume. Like overall, if you were to look at average. This is why I think that volume load is so much easier to work with than effective sets. Because I'm like, you can just see your... If your strength is going up and your total volume load is going up, you're fucking, you're working well. Whereas like this effective set stuff, it's like, doesn't really help you that much. Yeah, but volume load gets really messy at the extremes. Yeah, at the extremes, but it helps the vast majority. And if you don't (laughs) consider like the relative intensity as well. So it does get messy. But let's just, let's just think about that, that number of sets. What, like what, what should you be thinking about? Because I think this is something that a lot of people don't even, don't grasp is that you need to have some markers that you think about yourself as to whether or not you're doing enough volume or too much so you you may very well be doing too much volume if you're getting a lot of joint pain your muscles are sore for two to four days after every workout you know you're not actually getting stronger from workout to workout or from week to week you know you feel more fatigued you feel fatigued after your sessions, you feel like you can't put a lot of effort into your later exercises and your workout. Those to me are some of a lot of signs that you could look to, to wonder if you're doing too much volume. And then on the other side of things, how do you know if you're doing too little volume? Like if you're walking out of the gym and you're thinking, all right, that wasn't too difficult. You know, I don't feel like I train my muscles very much. Or, you know, you don't even get, you never get any, never ever get any muscle soreness, not even at the start of your program. You know, you don't get any blood flow to your muscles, hashtag pump in the gym. You don't get any of that and you're not getting stronger over time and you don't feel like your muscles are growing over time. Then obviously that is a sign that you're probably not doing enough volume. Like you could do more, like there could be more variables that are going wrong, but it's probably a good idea to do some more sets. But I mean, if you're, if that's you and you're doing like 50 sets already, 
then obviously you should be aware that like jumping to 60 like probably isn't the solution to your problem yeah so basically i think if it falls down to <clears throat> if you are able to progressively overload the muscles yes attention over time <laughs> yeah. and you're actually doing that yeah. in the gym you're seeing the weights you're using go up but your technique has been standardized everything else has been standardized you're doing the same number of sets and reps maybe you periodize it whatever but the weights you're using are slowly going up over time and you're seeing that reflect hopefully in your physique if that's the goal mm -hmm. um, which i presume it is because that's what we're talking about here um then you're good to go you don't need more volume Whereas if you're not seeing that translate or you're feeling excessively fatigued from that or you're noticing your performance going down sometimes or you're finding life is tough mm. because you're just like overly stressed, overly fucking taxed because of your training, then a reduction in volume is probably necessary. Because I'm actually just going into this conversation with a bias here that I haven't disclosed and that's presuming that everyone's training three to maybe five times per week with the average being four times per week yes you know whereas i know a lot of people are going like oh that was a great discussion so it's they said 10 to 20 sets and i'll just spread that out across you know my seven workouts per week <laughs> you know it's like this okay yeah like that's a okay recommendation to start but it's like this you still have to think of like the overall recovery from those days you still do need to recover from those because although you all think you're beasts and animals and a man i've been there you know six training sessions per week is pretty rough to recover from especially if it's yeah. like hard resistance training like yeah it can definitely be done but if you're i don't know a busy accountant and you're stressed all day or a busy fucking i don't know stay at home dad i don't fucking know what you do what the fuck um, do you do um you have to factor that in that like this is not just your only thing you do in your life yeah. so you do have to factor in the other recovery demands the other stressors in your life as well so i'm just presuming three to five with the average being three to four realistically yeah you know? and i think that that that's probably something that's important to touch on for our audience and for us because i actually think like there was research that came out recently and we're not even going to chime in because fuck boring online interweb discussions but <laughs> there was research that came out recently and it was basically on the whole question of, of volume, how much you should do. And like, you know, there was a lot of talk about, oh, you need to go super high volume and stuff. But like, I mean, when I was looking at the study, I was thinking, okay, so the low volume group, they spent like 13 minutes in the gym. I think it was 17, wasn't And they got tasty results. They got the exact same like, results. I was like, in. <laughs> strength, at least, they got the literally exact same results. I was like, this is perfect. Yeah, this is unreal. If you go to the gym, 20 minutes, fucking boom. <laughs> see you later that's fucking great like that's the best thing about that yeah and th that's that's the thought process i want to, to kind of get across to people in general is that like if you are progressing really well and you're doing 10 sets a week per body part and you're spending like 30 minutes in the gym and you're doing great stick with it R like squeeze every last drop out of that workout program and then when you need to increase increase volume a little bit but i mean you are very lucky if you're one of those people who gets away with training at a lower volume training program like some people might need to go super high volume but that shouldn't be the goal like you don't want to do that like why would you want to unnecessarily spend loads of time in the gym if you could be doing other things like it just doesn't make sense for most people at least and like some people are training junkies they want to do loads of training volume but most of you listening to this it's probably not you and you know even again like that's what i said earlier on it's like it comes down <coughs> to your goals people will say they have goals what they will train completely counterintuitive mm -hmm. to their goals because that, they aren't actually their goals. Like their goals are to come out of a workout feeling fucking shattered and fucking destroyed and yeah. hashtag beast mode where it's like, 
is your goals to do that or is it to progress because they aren't necessarily the same thing like i literally could bring you into a training session and fuck you up like proper like destroy you drop sets fucking i don't know giant sets fucking whatever eccentrically overloaded sets fucking every fucking training variable you could bring and you could walk out of the gym and feel like you just got fucking a nuke dropped on you doesn't mean you're going to progress you know so you have to again like have a good think about what you're actually trying to achieve rather than going like oh these are my goals and these are my this is how i'm training even though they're completely dichotomic you know yes sir anyway wrap it up gary what are we supposed to do how many sets per week how many sets per workout how many reps <clears throat> how are we organizing our training i come to you now my goal is hypertrophy i want to earn that hypertrophy and baby uh I'm like, yeah, okay, I have a busy life. Like, personally, I'm in college, you know, I'm fucking, it's competitive, you know, I want to get good good grades, and got a lot of stress there, run a business myself, how am I doing my training? So, if I was you, I would start somewhere in the range of 10 to 20 sets per week, and I'd spread that across two to three sessions per week, so per body pack, we're talking, you know, because it's generally a better idea to spread your volume across more sessions per week, because... It's probably better for strength gain. It might be better for muscle gain, but it most definitely allows you to get more quality work done. So if you can do, you know, if you do, let's say, 12 sets a week for chest and you do four sets three days a week, it's probably going to lead to better quality work than doing those 12 sets in one single session. Um, And if your goal is strength, it's very probably going to lead to better results, not to mention better skill acquisition and technique. If you're a beginner, that's pretty important as well. So... That's why I'd be looking at two to three times per week in terms of frequency. You're spreading those 10 to 20, you know, sets out. And if you're just, if you're just starting off and you're like, right, I don't want to put together a program. It's the first program I've ever written for myself. And you've got that 10 to 20 bracket. It doesn't mean all muscle groups have to be 10 sets, nor does it mean all muscle groups have to be 20 sets. You might look at your, your physique and you might say, all right, I've actually got a decent chest. I've got poor quads and I've got poor biceps and poor shoulders. So you'll say, all right, you know what? I'm going to do... 18 sets for those weaker body parts i'm going to try to bring those up this training cycle for or for the next four to six months and then i'm going to do just 10 to 12 sets for those weaker body parts or stronger body parts. or stronger body parts rather because they're already doing pretty well and they respond well to training so that's that's kind of one way you can think about things and then no before everyone goes on they're like no you don't all have weak arms <laughs> everyone oh i need to do 20, oh, 20, sets, 20 sets for arms every fucking workout <laughs> no yeah but um and then obviously you're thinking about your repetition ranges. Like I think it's a good approach to do something like what you what you were talking about. So you know, starting with higher reps for four weeks, like dropping down over time to lower repetitions. But you could also do the opposite way around, and you could also just stay somewhere in the middle, or you could have different repetition ranges within the same session or within the same week. Like overall, it really doesn't matter that much. But having some variation is probably a good idea. As long as you progressively overload those muscles, just get better over time. Over time, <laughs> it's all fucking irrelevant. Just do enough volume so that you are stimulating that muscle protein synthesis. Like you're actually stimulating muscle gain, and don't do so much that although you're stimulating it, it's causing so much breakdown and stress that it's irrelevant because you're not progressing over time. Because <laughs> you're 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 spending so much time trying to recover from that rather than spending time recovering from it and then getting slightly better right pretty straightforward with that three to four sessions per week maybe five if you're a fucking really gunning for it maybe six if you're the absolute peak 
of physical performance and recovery. <laughs> you have every other variable on point, um, or it's your job. Ah, fuck it, if it's your job, you have to do yep. what you have to do. Um, other than that, three to four sessions per week, 10 to 20 uh, sets per, per body part, um, you're pretty good to go. Progressively overload the muscles with tension over time. And you keep saying it until you just get it. <laughs> yeah, well, like, I think I think people do really miss out on that whole kind of the difference between people. And, like, we've talked about this so many times, but about the difference between, like, someone who's in college really stressed out. And some people aren't stressed at all in college, so that's important to know as well. Um, or, or the difference between, like, a fitness model on Instagram who does nothing but train and the difference between like someone who's like a doctor and they work like fucking 16 hours a day like training recommendations have to be based on that stuff like I train four days per week currently I think you're probably the same four days per week as well so both of us train four days per week but last summer when we lived here for the summer we were both training six days per week because we literally just sat down and kind of worked at our leisure all day so to speak in that like we weren't in college we didn't have a whole pile of stress we were leading our own work and we had a very specific set routine that made it you know pretty easy to just train six days per week but like now with college when well, things are di- business is so busy. and business like things are different every day you know we have things that are very compulsory that you, you just have to do and then you have other things to add on on top of that and you have to prioritize and those things do 100% affect your recovery, like without a doubt, without a doubt. 100%. I even notice if I don't get an hour of sleep, I'm like, I feel like I'm dead now. Yep, I feel like I'm dying. I am dying. Anyway, Gary, we're going to wrap that up here. Have you any closing thoughts for the viewership, seeing as they haven't heard of us, heard of us, haven't heard from us in so long? Update them on your life. Right. Couple of things. <laughs> Firstly, to add to that discussion... I think it's important. I know this is something you very much agree with, Patty. But just recognize that exercise science, especially when we're talking about muscles and stuff, is an observational science in a sense. You know, in that you're kind of like throwing some semi-arbitrary intervention at a group of people who might be very different, hoping they adhere to it, and then kind of seeing what happens at the end. So it's... It's not like some other sciences where you have very specific hyper calibrated measuring tools that are, you know, and everything's controlled to the nth degree. You know, everything's just so controlled. It's it's a bit different in the real world when we talk about exercise science. So you cannot expect to just wake up one day and for there to be the perfect recommendation of every single training variable that's going to suit everyone it's just never going to happen okay so just just recognize that yeah like i, I do biochemistry and man, i should tell you that biochemistry is just a load of shit thrown together like we're like, mm, i don't know i think i think think this is right and we'll presume it's right until we find something that proves it wrong and it's like oh we use these measurement tools but they don't really work uh and we're basically just making it up as we go along based on inference and then i see fucking like sports science fucking papers come out and it's like this is definitely 100 percent what you should do and i'm like how the fuck can you make that recommendation i'm like i'm reading through the pages and i'm like let me see this mechanistic data that they have here obviously they've gone like proper deep into this like the biochemistry of this and it's like no they use like fucking ultrasound to measure the muscle i'm like it's fucking irrelevant you know um however that's not to say that sports science is a joke that's to say that when you're reading research you need to interpret it with an analytical eye and then think how does this apply to what you're doing or what you've seen anecdotally because essentially it is what the researcher has seen anecdotally with those uh, participants in the study 
that doesn't mean that it's 100% accurate and there probably are and probably always will be inherent biases and flaws in the in those kind of studies however that doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bath water and go right science is fucked so i'm not going to listen to science i'm not going to listen to these sports scientists and i'm just going to do whatever the fuck i want it's like that that's not how it works that's, either. that's that's not really helpful either you know but um but yeah you asked before how's your life how's my life my life's good i'm in placement in piedmont hospital on respiratory placement which involves physiotherapy with patients with COPD, bronchiectasis, atelectasis, post-surgery, all that sort of good stuff. Is so that why ba- you're coughing so much? Yeah, I think I caught the COPD. <laughs> but yeah, basically just lots of respiratory conditions. So, you know, don't smoke would be one lesson that I have for people in case you in case you didn't know that already. Um, but that's basically what I do now five days a week. So for the next four weeks and then back to college. Nice. Yeah, I'm just in college myself. Um, doing loads of work while you do nothing. The usual. Excuse me. <laughs> Anyone on our email list knows that that's not true. Email list. Man, I wrote 14 <laughs> articles last week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to wrap that, it up there. On that note, if you haven't joined our email list... Or the militia. Or the militia. Or our coaching service. Please do get involved in one of them. At least the email list is free. So, you know, get involved in that. And we send lots of insights from the militia and emails that with information you won't find anywhere else. Top secret stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, boy. You're a marketing genius, are you? Oh, yeah, boy. Anyway, that is it. We will hopefully be back with a nice regular schedule. Nice regular upload schedule. Um, We will see, though... Because I have to drop Gary home now and drive for an hour. (laughs) But look, it is what it is. It's too easy. Peace out, guys.